Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. The weather is getting cooler outside. We're starting to see the temperatures drop. Finally, it took a long time, but this is, of course, exciting for multiple reasons. Number one means I'm not getting nailed on a stupid air conditioning bill that I argue is inflated on purpose. Number two, though, my endeavors are picking up steam. Booked my first full day of billable hours. That's exciting. For the uh, second endeavor, and of course, the first endeavor is what it is. And then I had a candid chat. And this won't take long, but I want to let you know this story. I think it's funny. I had a candid conversation with the third endeavor, the person that I'll be uh, working for, and just let him know. And he came back and he was asking, you know, we're going to send some hardware. Do you want to, you know, we're going to ship you a mobile phone. And for those out there, and you're going to find this shocking because, of course, Leister holds a computer information systems degree, deals with technology, has been touching computers since he was five. I do not have a cell phone. I don't have a cell phone. I have phone numbers, and they are digital, but I don't have a cell phone. I use Google Voice predominantly for the one-off times when I need to get some sort of a you know text message or something, but even my primary provider can take texts and I can do fancy stuff with it. It's VoIP.ms. Shout out to them because it's just amazing. I have like four numbers on there and I'm debating moving Google Voice over to there. So I don't have a cell phone. I use a tablet for my trading. I don't want, and the reason is because I don't want or support the idea that somebody needs to know where I physically am at all times. I don't support this idea of There's a phone number and it's registered to a carrier and the carrier shares your data off to all these different advertisers who can find you or to other firms to locate you. I don't do crime. It's about, they don't need to know that. It doesn't matter. I I have an address. If you need my address, I'll apply for a service and give you the address. So that's why I don't have a cell phone is the tracking, the tracing as somebody who's in technology. You'd be surprised just how much data leaks out of that phone. That's why I got rid of them. Also, there was no reason because at the end of the day, I don't do text messages. I do phone calls. Let's talk on the phone. You get much more done. This has never been more true with the third endeavor as I was talking to this gentleman. He's a good guy. He's a real nice person. 
But, I, you know, he's talking about the phone, and this had never been divulged that they want me to do on-call rotation, which doesn't work for me, brother. And so I candidly told him, what's the purpose of the cell phone? Is it to be able to call me during business hours? I'd rather use my phone because my phone is tied to all the different devices in my home, and I'm not tethered to the uh, organization. I'm not beholden to anything. And he said, well, there could be times when you're called outside hours. I said, nope, not me. Sorry, not going to work. And he got taken aback by this. And I explained to him, it's like the software we're dealing with here doesn't go down unless you jacked it up when you built it. What I'd rather do is come in and build it right, fix whatever issues to where you don't need to be called. And he said, well, there's one person and sometimes they get called. And I said, there should never be a need to get called. Just to put in perspective here, this software, I was a, a team lead or manager in this case, but a lead over a group of people. And I built the whole infrastructure out. It was for government. I built the whole thing out myself. We never had an outage. We never had to do outside hours. We did have an on-call like as an organization, but we never needed it for my team because the system never went down. If there was something wrong, it's infrastructure, like a server had an issue, a database. Well, we can't do anything about that. We're on the software side. The data center, data center operations or network operations, usually we get the call. I can't connect. Okay, that's network ops. I get there, but there's no response from the server. Okay, that's data center, right? Software is software. It just works. As long as your server is doing its job, there's nothing I can do about it. What they would do in some orgs is they'll say, well, the person who owns the app, you call them first, and then that person has to call data center to have them reboot the server. No, you call the data center. I'm not getting woken up at 2 a.m. Screw you. So I candidly told him, I need to make sure I'm not getting called. He said, look, that's just kind of the rotation in the organization. So it wasn't his team. It's kind of an organizational mandate or expectation because of the way they do change management. And I'm telling them change management needs to understand that from my application, there is no need to deploy outside of hours. In fact, it's to your detriment because then you can't identify if there's a user impact until it's too late. If you do a migration at 11 p.m. and nobody's in the system, you don't find out there's a problem until 8 a.m. or 6 a.m. in some cases that next morning. And now you're slammed with tickets and you can't fix it because it's during the business hour and you're doing an emergency patch. I know I'm boring people, but my point is with the third endeavor, it's like it's never been such a great feeling that I can express of just pushing back and saying, no, no, that doesn't work for me, brother. This is how it's going to go down, which is you're not going to call me. You're not going to tether me. I'm not taking your cell phone. I'm not beholden to you because I'm not desperate for the work. I don't need you. I want to work for you. There's a difference. So as long as you're all cool and we all understand that I will come in and if I see that your software is jacked up and that's what's causing these calls, I just want the levity to be able to fix that and say, I'm going to change this because it's a bad design to where nobody needs to get called. He seemed to be amenable to that, which surprised me. Not because he's not a good guy, but because if it's an architect, you know, organizational architectural expectation, I assumed he'd push back and he didn't. He said, let's look at it. And as long as we can do that, I don't want people to be called either. It's just kind of the way we work. Well, great. If he's open to that, then no problem. Let's figure out what we need to do here and get to the point where I'm not getting called. So I like the guy. I really do. And I want to work with them and make sure that everybody, nobody's getting called. It's stupid. Everything should be doable within the business day. There's other HR related things. He was coming up like, well, you may need to get this license over here. That one's paid for, but the one I had to do over here is not. And I'm like, no, if you're going to pay this one, you pay that one. Just stupid. Anyway, so he's going to book a meeting 
so we can talk it out and I can share this feedback to everybody and say, explain to me why this makes any freaking sense and let me help you fix it to where you're a better experience for anybody trying to apply to this stuff. Because that's what I do. I take and I want to get the feedback that nobody else does. He said, yeah, we don't even do exit interviews. I'm like, excuse me? So my summary of this, this is going to be a mission, but I'm not going to let them force me to do something that's stupid. And I, if I have to walk, I'll walk, but I get the sense they don't want me to walk and they want to work with me. Great. Let's get to that point and move this forward. So the third never still on as of right now that starts this next Monday and we'll see how it goes. Meanwhile, I got the other two endeavors and they're still now booking full clock hours. So I'm not hurting for money or any of that kind of stuff. I'd like to work with the third because I think it's an exciting opportunity, but nobody's going to bully me into something stupid. And I want them to fix the process for other people. That's how I work, man. Anyway, we got some weird stuff happening in cryptocurrency. Let's go ahead and get into that real quick. So right at the top, let's talk about Bitcoin because it's kind of the bear in the room. Bitcoin had an issue that occurred yesterday. What happened was there was a block that caused a traffic jam. And over 13,000 transactions got stuck in a pending state. This is not good, obviously. Bitcoin being one of the heaviest in terms of a blockchain, we don't expect there to be such a choke. Bitcoin, of course, is the lightning network. And there is built into Bitcoin, for those that don't know, certain known uh, interval pause type things around the difficulty. So what happens is there's supposed to be every 34 days, there is an interval between blocks and that's expected. And then there's difficulty adjustments that occur. So it's not unusual for the, it's not unusual for the, the fact that it, you know, had an 85 minute interval that stopped this. It is unusual the number of transactions that got stuck in a pending state. And so there's not really, it's weird, but it's like, there's not really a problem, but there's kind of a problem. What they said is that every 34 days ish, there should be this known interval that happens just not to the point that it causes a traffic jam. And of course the traffic jam doesn't make the situation any better with respect to price movement. Bitcoin is still wavering around the 19,000 mark. Ethereum took more of a dump, a significant dump earlier on. I want to get to that here shortly about what happened there. It's since recovered. It is trending in a somewhat positive direction, but I want to talk later about what happened because this was a different situation, but it was kind of a perfect storm, right? You have Bitcoin that took this slight tank because of the pending transactions because Bitcoin is in some cases linked in terms of price movement for these other cryptocurrencies. It affects Ethereum as well. And so it's kind of this double whammy. I'll talk about all that when I get to that uh, particular note. Let's go down the list here. So on the Ethereum side, whales have dumped and just about over a span of a number of weeks, but whales have dumped just about $4 billion worth of this Ethereum. That's been contributing to some of the downward pressure. Now, with that much Ethereum being dumped, it still stayed above 1200 mark. With that, plus the Bitcoin disruption. Folks, this is why I've continually said I, I'm skeptical. And for those new, by the way, welcome. I've consistently said I don't believe Ethereum will go beneath $900 again. And if it does, I'll do live karaoke on the YouTube channel. This is yet another evidence of why. It's because I believe it just has a strength in terms of how much is out there. We also are seeing that there's a lot of new wallets of Ethereum getting out there. People that are 
buying into Ethereum for the first time. So there's, even though there's this dump happening, Ethereum still maintains a very strong position, relatively speaking. It's certainly volatile, obviously, and we are significantly down from even where we were in the beginning of the year. This is all true. I'm saying that there's still a confidence in Ethereum that lends itself to a decent level of stability where it's not crapping like some of the other garbage tokens that are out there. And as a result, I believe it's one of the strongest ones, bar none. We actually saw where the Ethereum, just Ethereum, was able to outperform the NASDAQ. That's nuts. NASDAQ itself was having such volatility, have significant sell-offs, and yet Ethereum, which is just a smart contract, uh, you know, blockchain, was able to outperform the NASDAQ. And the NASDAQ's been more established, has more regulatory control. Part of this, I believe, is also by the rumor, sell the news. So I'm not saying that it is a, that it's artificial or that it's not. What I am saying is that Ethereum still has my confidence. At the end of the day, has my confidence. This is not an endorsement to do anything about it. I'm simply stressing that it has my confidence as an asset in a diverse portfolio, absolutely. In Japan, they're looking to amend rules around KYC, which is know your customer. KYC regulations in certain countries have a level of granularity that's a bit concerning. And in other countries, it's nowhere near as much. So like in the United States, it's sometimes sending an ID across, names, addresses, phone numbers, etc. Japan's looking to kind of renovate all this and get it to where it's a little bit more manageable and put a framework around this and refine it so that it's a little bit more in parallel to other cryptocurrencies as with their legal tender that's out there. Now, the problem is that in Japan, at least, KYC has been just a kind of, okay, just document who somebody is and it is what it is. What they're trying to now do is say, okay, as part of KYC, as part of knowing who you are, we also want to be able to have the right to freeze assets around these people if they are involved in crimes related to money laundering. Now, here's where that gets kind of sketchy. Today, any exchange can freeze your assets, not your keys, not your coins. And it doesn't matter what country you're from. They just need to have a dictate to go ahead and do that. You don't even necessarily need to be a resident of said country. In this case, it should concern people that Japan wants that power independent of any other oversight, say Interpol, that they want to have the independent ability to freeze your assets. Does that mean that they'll freeze your assets? No. I'm saying that it should concern people that they want the individual ability to do so outside of a known framework as it is. It means it's more rigid than anybody else is doing, which might cause some of those exchanges to pull out of Japan because they don't want to comply with that. I'm not trying to tinfoil, but I am kind of trying to tinfoil at least a little bit. Just so you think about it, just keep it in mind that this is something to be aware of and be concerned potentially about in the big picture of a thing. There's some rumors flying around that Elon Musk is actually the true identity uh, for uh, actually the person behind Satoshi Nakamoto. Of course, Satoshi Nakamoto is the one that we expect is kind of the father of cryptocurrency and the originator of Bitcoin itself. There was some more data that was put out that somehow ties Elon Musk to the Bitcoin creator. Of course, we don't have any hard evidence. There was just some soft, I'd say causality, right? Some causal connections between X and Y. Elon Musk came back in response and basically said it wasn't him. And he said, yeah, I had some Bitcoin, but I don't know where the heck it is, which is kind of a weak thing. And now 
Is it possible? Absolutely. If you look at some of the connections between the things that Musk has talked about and Satoshi has talked about, you might draw a line. However, there still is no proof in what, what's being stated at all. I'm going to tinfoil and say that this is likely intended to try to pump the price of Bitcoin using Elon Musk's name. Why do I tinfoil that? Because that's what seems happens on social media is they use Elon Musk's name to pump whatever cryptocurrency that they want to drive traffic towards, and there's not really much to it. Time will tell whether or not that's the case or there's definitive evidence linking Elon Musk to Bitcoin. I'm not holding my breath on that, ladies and gentlemen. Kanye West is in the news right now. Apparently, he's working to acquire Parler. Parler, of course, spun up as an alternative, a more secure alternative to what Twitter was doing when Twitter was censoring the president at the time, when Twitter was censoring other voices, conservative voices, when Twitter was canceling accounts, including journalist accounts, when Twitter was slapping, slapping banners on people's tweets anytime they mentioned COVID-19. Some of that's toned down a little bit. Unfortunately, that past president remains banned and has said he will not join again. And they gave Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters a pass when they were celebrating all the rioting out in Oregon. And they gave Joe Biden a pass when he said, you're okay. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to catch this thing. If you get to the, even though that, that wasn't founded in any science. And it turns out that yes, you can catch this. If you have a jab, it didn't matter that you have a jab, you will catch it. But he said something that wasn't true and they didn't put a banner on his. So there was unequal treatment underneath what they were doing. And it was speculated that somebody inside of Twitter was just unilaterally acting if it wasn't Jack Dorsey himself. So Parler spins up in response to this. And then they try to poach the president at the time, Donald Trump, to come aboard. Hey, buy us because we're here and we want to be this alternative. They struggled at first. Then there was this whole turmoil with the guy who started it. He had a falling out with the other people there on the board. Apparently, either he or the board wanted to have more, or I guess less, <laughs> privacy control than what was put in place. And there was a disagreement. This guy was asked to leave. So Parla was left without a leader and they was trying to get somebody else on board. Meanwhile, you know, now no longer President Donald Trump spins up Truth Social, which is basically his megaphone to those that support Trump. Now, there's nothing wrong with Truth Social. It's out there. But Parler was looked at as the most viable alternative to a thing. So now with Kanye West talking about acquiring Parler, this is fresh off the heels of Kanye basically being, I'll say, quote unquote, attacked by JP Morgan over a totally different situation. And remember, Kanye was the one that said, you know, don't talk to me about your NFTs. I don't want to hear that. I'm worried about real world problems. And he had never really been, to our knowledge, inside a cryptocurrency or involved in it or interested in it. But all of a sudden, this came out of nowhere saying, no, this is what we want to do. And the speculation is that with what Kanye was trying to talk about and him talking about things around Jews, which offended a group of people, and then he got shut down on Twitter and Instagram, somehow he just snapped, said, all right, screw this. I'm about to go do this and do this freaking part just out of nowhere. Now, this doesn't surprise me. It's Kanye. But still... Just random, let's just go and do this thing. Elon Musk. Yeah, let's just go by Twitter. And now you see all these rich people spinning up these alternative type things. And we have to see where this goes. Does Parler then spike in popularity? Because Kanye has a strong following. 
Does Twitter maintain what it had? And it is kind of bleeding a little bit. Some of the popularity is dwindling. Certainly in Japan, it has this popularity still around it. But there's a struggle because of what they did when the previous president was getting banned and muted and journalists were getting muted and banned. There's all this now smoke around social media. Facebook's been struggling. The meta didn't work. Instagram's been struggling. TikTok is kind of on the teeter of whatnot. Uh, LinkedIn. I actually just had an issue with LinkedIn. I escalated as high as the attorney general and they lied to the attorney general about the situation. So I just said, okay, fine. I'll just create my own personal deal to manage my certifications and distribute that to different organizations. Guess what that did, ladies and gentlemen? I ended up with three different endeavors. When I was on LinkedIn, I wasn't getting anywhere near the level of business that I did when I went on my own. I'm saying, in short, we have to see what this means for not just speech in general, but cryptocurrency. Because one of the things that like all of these social media platforms has in common is that they don't like where you're talking about cryptocurrency. They really don't like it. They tolerate it, but they don't like it. And so LinkedIn, for example, will straight up ban you for any abstract discussion of cryptocurrency at all. Facebook is a little bit lenient on it. You can do most of it. It's certainly nowhere near as aggressive as LinkedIn is. Twitter will either slap a banner on you or mute you or shadow ban you or something else, depending on what it is that you said. Certainly does do. Reddit doesn't have as much aggression, but it'll warn you. I actually had an interaction on Reddit to tell a story. And it was in their terms where they they made a statement that didn't apply to me, but then they they not muted me, but they basically took an action against my account. And I called them out and said, I didn't violate anything there. And she looked at it and she said, yeah, I see what you're saying. You didn't do anything wrong. So something went wrong. They actually changed the terms based on my experience with them and then ran my, my deal. So there's a lot of misunderstanding with social media. And my point and the reason I'm dwelling on this is I think it's a good thing for people like Kanye. And I don't like him as a person. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying that people like Kanye to get to where there's a different option. We've gotten to this point where we've allowed the Googles of the world, the Twitters of the world, the Facebooks of the world, and to a lesser degree, the LinkedIn's of the world to kind of dominate the narrative and steer conversation into what they want and then limit the freedom of speech. It doesn't matter whether somebody gets offended or not. That's choice, right? Choice not to patronize said platform. If I don't like what they're doing, I don't patronize it. I don't personally patronize TikTok because I think every video on there is garbage, right? I hardly go to Facebook because it's not for me. I make the choice, but I like having alternatives. I like having these platforms. So Rumble, which is one of the video platforms and Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, is actually on Rumble as well as an alternative to YouTube. So people that don't want to support YouTube's, you know, aggressive banning of accounts and that kind of garbage, they can go to Rumble and support us. They can go to BitChute and support us. They can go to Odyssey and support us. We support that freedom of going to whichever platform suits what you want. And we don't support these centralized platforms that just mute you when it's something they don't like, when people are just trying to communicate peer to peer. So I'm saying that although I don't really like Kanye the person, I do support the idea that he wants to try to help Parler be, hopefully, be that platform to allow freedom of speech and not be worried about muting or banning or anything when somebody just has an opinion about something. Now, let me flip this around. With what Kanye had said, with what he was talking about, with 
the, the Jew situation. Certainly there was some in what he said that might have been offensive to a certain group of people. And I'm not, that's why I say I don't like him as a person. I'm not defending that. However, I recognize his right to have whatever opinion he wants, just like I recognize the right on the other side to be offended by what he said. And they have the right to completely avoid hearing any of that stuff by leaving, literally mute him, block him, leave the platform, anything you want to do to get away from what he's saying when it's absolutely trampling on you. I'm never going to be a fan of try to so quote cancel somebody when they say a thing. I don't, even if they say something detrimental or derogatory about or to me, Hey, okay. I'll just mute you and block you and move on. That's just kind of how I feel about it. Personally. I don't know. There are other businesses out there as well where the businesses are basically being censored and some of them they'll bow down. Right. So like the Netflix thing with, um, the comedian, why am I having a blind blank? I'm not sure. Uh, but the, you know, Netflix, uh, Dave Chappelle, right. The closer and Netflix didn't bow down. They basically fought back and said, no, we're not going to can We're not going to cancel this. We're not going to take it off. And then it passed. And then it was quiet. As long as you don't respond to it, everything will pass. And I think having platforms that are going to support that and not just re rush to cancel you simply because, you are a business and you're trying to put out a product and you want to get back to a world where they're speaking with their own wallets and just say, I'm not going to patronize this. I want you to make the connection. My call to action to you is make the connection to cryptocurrency because understand cryptocurrency is in some ways being censored. These platforms don't want you talking about it. They, even if you're not trying to sell it or anything, they don't want you talking about it. And I challenge you, if you're on LinkedIn, go look at their terms and they'll straight tell you, if they even get a hint that you might be selling a cryptocurrency, they'll just ban you from the platform. And trust me, they will not put you back on that bad boy at all. There is no true appeal process. The only way to get around it is to basically acknowledge, yeah, I broke your law and I'm not going to do it again. No, if I didn't break your law because I didn't break your law, I'm not going to tell you I broke the law. Screw you. They'll just leave you banned. That's how bad some of these are. I'm targeting LinkedIn because they're the worst of it, but Twitter will do the same thing, just ban you from the platform like they did the previous president. SHIB, I'm moving on from that one. SHIB, because it ties somewhat. SHIB is about to add another zero again. <laughs> so it's down, it's down. It's got four zeros in front of it and trending downward. Even though people keep buying, even though there's the burn, even though there's whatever, you still have this drop on the SHIB side and it continues even though whales are holding and buying and holding and buying, many of them are, it's like hopium. It's like, let's just hold it. And at some point there'll be enough burn. And truly at some point there surely will be enough burn, but it's going to be years. I'm telling you. So if you're in SHIB, understand there's still a bullish sentiment from the whales, but nobody really knows what that means long-term. Speaking of whales, Bitcoin, there was actually a whale that dumped almost a trillion dollars worth of Bitcoin out of Coinbase Pro. Now, you're like, how the heck can there be that much Bitcoin? Understand, Bitcoin is the largest portion of the overall market cap, large, arguably. And some of that was legacy. Like some of that was from the old and they just sat on stuff. 48,000 Bitcoin. That's a lot of freaking Bitcoin. And again, these are like three and five year old 
Bitcoin. So these are ones that have, they've been sitting on for a while. Now, they, we saw that they were flowed out of Coinbase Pro. Coinbase Pro, of course, is just an exchange. Could be that this person is trying to move them around. Could be that they moved into a wallet and people tried to trace the transactions. We do see that there was some sales that happened. And of course, the price movement would seem to correlate to this. Or it could be that the person, it looks like a sell, but it's actually not truly a sell in the traditional sense. And it is going to somebody else's wallet like a OTC, right? If it's an OTC, it remains in circulation if it didn't go to cash. Like say if I did, you know, somebody wanted to get Bitcoin and were trading for a different crypto asset, that remains in circulation. So it's not a sell, even though it is a transaction that might be seen as a sell, it's not a true sell. So the number is what should surprise you, nearly a trillion dollars worth of Bitcoin flowing out of, in this case, Coinbase Pro, is a surprisingly large amount of money. The last thing I'll talk about is Do Rugpull, aka Do Kwan, the man who killed the business with Terra Luna, takes responsibility for what happened to Terra Classic. He does now. If you go back to one of my oldest episodes, I talked about the fact that what happened to this was all him. It was not, people kept talking about, well, it was just insolvent and the stablecoin this and this. And I gave comprehensive coverage that said, no, he made a decision. He actively made a decision that killed the business. He made the decision that killed it. At the end of the day, it was him. And certain people said, no, it's not true. He's coming out saying, no, it's true. Quote, whatever issues existed, it's my responsibility and my responsibility alone, which is correct. It is him, not anything else outside. Those are byproducts of what happened. At the end of the day, what started the domino effect is him, only him. Now, does it matter now? No. However, him acknowledging this means that as the authorities are trying to track this dude down, he's basically putting on record that it's his fault that the thing crashed, so he's not making himself look very good. This is narcissistic behavior because he believes he can't be caught, so he figured, okay, I'll just go out and admit this, and who nothing's going to happen to me. Certain people said, there's no red notice and all this other stuff. We can't find a red notice. Interpol repeated, there is a red notice report out here to find this guy. We're going to try to get this dude he came out and said, eh, it's politicized, it's whatever, I'm not on the run. I'm, if you're in Terra Classic, there's still work in progress to try to recover the token. It has been priced down for a couple of days. I believe a lot of this is sentiment related. I believe some of it's Bitcoin connected. The Terra Rebels, I think a lot of influencers have been creating Hopium videos. And if you've listened to Leister at CryptoTalkRadio.net, you'd have heard me say, Manager Hopium. This is why. Terra Luna Classic is going to be a long play. If it's going to recover, it's not going to happen in the short term. And I want to stress anybody who's trying to get a multimillionaire because of the pumps we initially saw, I'm sorry to disappoint you. It is a long play because there's so much freaking circulating supply out there. Number one. Number two, Terra Rebels is having major issues, not the team, but because of the community. I think it's starting to get a toxic community. I think the toxicity is starting to infect it because of the price pump that happened and certain people's unrealistic expectations that did not manage their hopium like I warned them to do. And so there was an unrealistic expectation of where we should be now, largely spearheaded by some influencers who were pitching to the moon, doot, doot, doot. So thank you for listening to me. And hopefully you hear me say, manage your hopium with Terra Luna Classic. Do I believe it'll recover? Yes. Do I believe it'll get to a higher price point? Yes. 
How high do I think it can go? 10 cents, maybe 20 cents. Do I think it can go to a dollar? No. Could it go to a dollar? Yes. I'm saying I don't think it will, but could it? Yes, it is possible. However, all of these are long-term plays. You've got to be perfectly content sitting on it and not thinking about it, which is why I say, if you're going to invest in something, anything, make sure it's money you can afford to lose and don't think about it. Sit it off, do the investment, let it be, stake it if you want to get some rewards. Be careful about who you stake with, but stake, get some rewards. That increases your bag with no additional investment. Or buy off the dip if you believe that Terra Luna Classic is going to be something in the future, as I personally do. But if you just can't deal with the stress of the ups and downs of cryptocurrency, stay away from it. Because again, at the end of the day, it's about your family. It's about your a roof over your head, food on your table. Make sure that you don't YOLO or FOMO into anything, especially not this one, when there's so much uncertainty and so much drama, frankly, in its community. Lastly, if you're in these meme projects, because at this point, Luna Classic is essentially a meme. If you're in these meme projects, realize the meme tokens are more likely to be influenced by wealthy people, as in fake pumps, aka bull traps, that are designed to get you to buy into something and then play on your fears. When the thing goes down, the Constitution is what's going to come into play. And I don't mean for the United States, I'm talking about your Constitution to say, I'm not going to let this bull trap trip me up. I'm going to simply hold it because I believe it'll be a thing, or I'm just not going to buy into it until things stabilize. Understanding that that means that you have less opportunity for wealth, but you also are mitigating risk. Perfectly acceptable strategy, and I would celebrate you if you do that. Just be aware, no matter what, it doesn't matter what the token project is, you've got to give it time to prove out. You've got to give it time to show something and make sure that it's actually something worth investing in and that you believe in it. Not just that somebody tells you to do it, but that you believe in it, you agree with it for your own portfolio. Simply, it has to work for you, not based on somebody else saying that it should. That'll do it for today's Crypto Talk Radio episode. I want to thank you for listening today. We know you've got choices. CryptoTalkRadio.net if you would, we would appreciate. At the very top, we have a contact form. Fill that out. Let us know what your thoughts are. If we're doing great or something you don't like, we always love to hear from our listeners. If you don't mind spreading the word, we would also appreciate that. If you think other people would benefit from the type of coverage that we do, we work hard to try to be different than every other type of podcaster or YouTuber that's out there. So hopefully we're on track with that. Finally, our YouTube channel, of course, is that Basic Cryptonomics. If you want to find us on there, those are dedicated, specific, exclusive types of episodes. So you'll hear things there that you won't hear on the podcast and vice versa. Check us out there for more quick and dirty coverages. Until next time, take care.